This is the Team Lotus Cares podcast. We connect with business owners and managers to protect your business from cyber attackers while providing business clarity empowered by technology. You can make technology for your business more productive, secure, and simple. Now, here is Maria and Curtis. Hello, Maria. Hello, Curtis. We are back for another edition of Le- Le- uh, Team Lotus Cares TLC podcast. TLC. TLC. Team Lotus Cares. Look at that. I got it. What did it take? 15 episodes. <laughs> 16. I'll have her down. So it, it, as usual, more and more, we are focusing on uh, the problems with security and, and individual issues and then company issues. So we're going to be dealing with two things today. One is smishing. I, I can't believe this is like every time there's something new, there's a new word in smishing. Smishing. You're going to get smished. It's fun to say. Absolutely. It is fun to say. And then the other thing we're going to deal with is every business owner loves insurance. Oh, yes. That is such a lovely thing. Who doesn't love forking out their money? Liability, vehicle insurance. It's just never ending. And something was invented a few years ago called cyber insurance. And we're going to go over what's changed in cybersecurity. So we'll have our cyber insurance, I should say. So we'll get into that today. But first, back to smishing. So the U.S. Federal Communications Commission recently came out with an alert. Beware of the onslaught of smishing. So smishing is SMS attacks. To put it in plain English, it's getting a text message that you didn't expect to receive. It's spam is what it is. It is a text spam. I think I've received I received without any exaggeration at least 12 of them yesterday. Yes. Yeah, I, I get them all the time. I have $414.11 waiting for me. <laughs> Click here. <laughs> oh, I get the I just paid um you you just paid your AT&T bill. Thank you. Here's your reward. All <laughs> kinds of crazy ones. So we're going to run through some things that the FCC recommends that you do, measures you take to defend yourself against these attacks. And generally what these folks are looking for are credentials, MFA codes, multi-factor authentication codes, things like that. But things you want to do, do not respond to texts from unknown numbers or any others that appear suspicious because then you tell them, We've got a live one. And there's no human on the other end. This is all done by a machine. So they, uh, the, the, you set a trigger. Now you are a hot number. And they're going to keep continuing to try different ways of getting your information. Never share sensitive personal or financial information by text. Look out for misspellings or texts that originate from an email address. Think twice before clicking any links in a text message as well. If a friend sends you a text with a suspicious link that seems to be out of character, call them to ensure that they were not hacked. If a business sends you a text you weren't expecting, look up their number online and call them back. Now, a lot of these are the same things that we've been telling people when it comes to spam emails. So it's it's a similar type of behavior. I think because it's in your on your smartphone or your tablet, I, especially smartphone, I think, you know, you're typically on the go. You don't have time to stop and study it. And I think you may be more apt to click on it than otherwise. The so, best response there, I would say, is just wait until you do have time to be able to process um, 
Excuse me. And I think that, um, you know, there are a lot of times when people, you know, you're, you're calling them or texting them. I said, hey, I just got something from you. Um, did you send us? Um, and now it's the response is a little bit more positive um, to verify and confirm. Yes, absolutely. I, 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 I would wholeheartedly agree with that advice all day long. And um, some other tips that they give, remember the government agencies, no, they put this word in here, almost never initiate contact by phone or text. Now, why would the FCC put almost is beyond me. The government should never initiate contact via phone or text. Reporting texting scam attempts to your wireless provider by forwarding unwanted texts to, write this down, put this in your phone as a contact, 7726, which spells spam. So if you get a text, it seems scammy, forward it to this number, again, 7726 or spam. And you can also file a complaint with the FCC as well. But I learned something new. I did not know that you could forward those texts to spam. So that, that's an idea. Now, I will say, going back to that where government agencies almost never, and I hate when someone says almost never. That is, that's like jumbo shrimp. It's a <laughs> dichotomy. But I will say a lot of medical practices and doctor's offices and the large hospital chains, I know one of them here in town, definitely relies on sending you texts for telemedicine and uh, for test results and also for upcoming appointments and to register for upcoming appointments. Now, they do have a, a good way of figuring out you are who you are. Uh, they have a good system for that, but it's still, you know, I, I'm not a hundred percent in love with it, to be honest with you, because I don't, I don't want to get comfortable clicking on things in text. For me, text is for quick communication between people, not with entities, but that's just my personal feeling. I think that, um, the whole, um, industry and the environment that we're currently in, you have to find someone that could be, um, working on your behalf as far as t technology is concerned, someone that you trust, somebody that you could say, hey, look, this looks, you know, odd, you know, are we okay here? Somebody that's monitoring and making sure that you can pivot to make sure that either you find a solution and plug it in as quickly as possible or, you know, can that be stopped? Yeah, exactly. So, and and the cell companies are doing some things in the background. Um, we are... We, uh, our phone division is called Voice Connects. A lot, number of companies use it. And we do offer SMS texting on the Voice Connects or Cornexa platform. But uh, one of the things that they've changed is a system called 10DLC. And that is trying to limit machine sending text messages. So if you do want to send a text message campaign, they call it, via uh you know a, a computer or something like that where not where a human's seeing and typing it but actually it's being done by a machine you have to register that campaign with the wireless carriers and this is not a government program i believe if i remember correctly t-mobile started this <clears throat> but all the major carriers have signed on and are supporting it so that's going to help this problem eventually but it it's surprising to me we are probably about five months into this project, and 
they, you know, passed the, the, the deadline when you had to be registered and we're still getting these, which is still surprising to me. Again, you know, the environment changing and having to pivot and upgrade and, and plug in different software to make sure that that solution, you know, cyber crime um, criminals out there are um, working all the time and um, to see what they can get. Uh, I think, um, you know, the different political backgrounds and war and, you know, everything that's happening in the Ukraine affects this. I mean, people come out of the woodwork. Um, so we are fortunate that we have some great engineers working on our behalf and looking out and um, pushing out those upgrades and making sure that things work seamless and protecting. Absolutely. So to shift gears a little bit, cyber insurance. So we've, as a company, I know Lotus has had cyber insurance for a number of years. I think initially we had to, it was difficult to find. Yeah, it was the general, general liability was about the best that you can find. So you really would have to speak to your broker and see what you can come out with. I, I was really, I was floored. I mean, 10 years ago, this was like unheard of. So when I finally found someone that um, through some of our consultants, um, I was happy. You know, it was just one of those things that make you not sleep. Well, very well, anyways. <laughs> and, I, and I think was it Lloyd's of London was the first one yes. that we ran into that was offering cybersecurity insurance. And in our industry, it's it's an absolute or has been an absolute must. Now it's an absolute must in any industry where you have computers and data and systems. Uh, but the thing that has changed this year is two things. Number one, when you get that questionnaire, you know you'd have to do that self assessment. And fill that out. And before, I think companies were pretty lax about doing, yeah, we do that. Sure, we do that too. Well, I noticed this year, they're coming back and asking questions on the form. So if you are doing that, let us show us how you're doing that. Right. That's right. A, that was a first this year. And also the costs have risen significantly. And some folks who aren't able to pass that self-assessment are not going to get underwritten. And again, it's gotten to the point that you, it's like having an attorney um, reading over an, an, an agreement or a contract to making sure that there's no loopholes, that it's um, going to work in your benefit. You need someone with that technical background where you, if you're answering that question, are you opening yourself for liability? Is it really covered? Um, so it, it's getting pretty technical, you know, when it comes to that. So we saw that this, this new questionnaire came out. It was much more advanced, much deeper. Uh, we met with our security team, find out that all of the insurance companies that we're aware of are doing this. So our, our security team has collected these insurance questionnaires and cross-checked them. And so we now are able to do a self-assessment that is including the questions from all, you know, all the major providers. So we're now able to give a company a self-assessment that then they can use to, you know, fix things before they do the real assessment. And so uh, that that's something we've been de we have developed. We're going to go over some of that in an upcoming webinar that we're putting together. Uh, so we're recording this about mid-August, and I believe that's uh, September-ish. I think that uh, that's going to be coming along. Right, right. So we're um, we're really pushing to. Um bring solutions or um, have being a resource. Um, a lot of people asking a lot of questions and um, 
you know, what's the best way of, in, in the answer today is, you know, this, this X, Y, Z. Um, but then in a week's time, depending on what happens in, in, you know, in the world, um, that could be totally debunked. Um, so we do have some resources available and, and trying to bring, you know, through this podcast, um, events, we have an event here at the end of August, um, with the business expo, um, the East chamber of commerce, um, that's putting together. And so we are facilitating some solutions that, um, that could help, um, you know, the cost of, uh, of cybersecurity, uh, is going up there. The insurance, um, kind of, well, not kind of pretty much demands um that these these check boxes are checked yeah. um and legitimately right and, and my the next step was you know so we noticed it we met with our security team they brought us some research and now it has hit the wall street journal this week and this article uh just came out on the 8th so essentially this is fresh hot off the presses as they used to say which doesn't make any sense anymore. But in the second quarter, U.S. cybersecurity insurance prices increased 79% from a year earlier after more than doubling in each of the preceding quarters. So we, we've, you know, gotten hit with every kind of inflation imaginable. None of it compares with the price of cybersecurity insurance or cyber insurance. And the reason being is that because these U.S. insurance companies are losing money, they are losing money on this left and right because these attacks are happening a lot. Um, excluding premiums uh, from acting as a reinsurance, they've climbed $3.15 billion, so over $3 billion in the last year. That's up 92% from 2020, which is absolutely amazing to see that amount of an increase and it's 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 kind of crazy it seems like it's just totally getting out of hand i think from the insurance perspective um when somebody is going through their audits you know yes 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 and then something does happen you know well if you said that this has happened you know i think it's the understanding of making sure that these areas are covered that um that brings this to to be worse. You know, um, there's a, there was a lot of unknowns, and now it's not about the unknowns, but how quickly things are are changing. Um, in are you really well covered for all of this? Um, so it's getting to the point that an assessment is necessary. Um, that audit to make sure that that the the validation of that audit is there and available. Um, so you know what's to come after that. It'll, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it, it you know, we, we, one of the first things that we saw come into play was multi-factor authentication. But they say now, according to this Wall Street Journal report, and, and we're hearing this in the industry as well, that it goes beyond just the protections. Because this is so rampant and it's happening to so many companies, they now, they now want to know what is your plan if it happens to you? Right. In other words, how are you going to recover? How long is it going to take? to recover. And, and there, there are actually math formulas to figure that out. It's RTO and RPO. And we're able to, to sit down with a company and figure out how long would it take you to recover? How, um, how much downtime would you have from the recovery? And one extension after that is that, you know, for those organizations that they, um, 
that different compliances are important, PCI compliance, HIPAA compliance, you know, so if this happens, you know, and you're recovering that that's, we're speaking about your organization, what about your clients? What about your patients? What about them? How do you protect them? Um, so it it's, it's one step further. And so I, it's, Having a professional on your behalf once again. And let me take that opportunity to explain what's happening to these companies. So in a lot of folks, you know, maybe new to this and not not know, but what we've seen over the years is a thing called ransomware, where what happens is that your data is essentially scrambled. You'll you'll find a file on your computer that says if you want your data back, you're gonna pay us this amount of money. And it's not an arbitrary amount of money. These folks, a lot of times, these attackers know how much money your business earns, how much you'll probably have in the bank. And so they're they're smart about this and how much they're gonna ask for. It's gonna hurt. It's not gonna be an easy amount of money. It's really gonna hurt you. And it could, you know, we've seen it run companies out of business. But and this is what you alluded to where they're taking this now is so they said, Oh, you know, they, this company probably has a backup. Let's, let's assume they do. We can't find it. So we haven't been able to find the backup and break it. They'll do that. So what they'll do is steal the data. They'll be in your network for weeks. They'll siphon the data off your patient records, uh, vendor records, but especially those patient and client records. They'll grab those. Now you have a breach that you have to report because they're going to threaten to publish that data on the internet and sell it and make it available to the public for a variety of reasons. One, they can use it to embarrass your company. They'll take it to the media and then also sell the data. So these, these guys are guys are really getting smart about finding different revenue streams. Just like we do as business owners, we find Various revenue streams. It's a very lucrative, um, very lucrative business for them. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it is organized crime. So absolutely. Well, so what we can, the biggest thing we can recommend is if, if you are shopping for your cybersecurity insurance is make sure that your questionnaire is filled out accurately and that you can defend all of the check boxes that you checked, because not only will you have to defend it when you get underwritten, possibly, but if you ever get breached, the insurance companies going to go over that with a fine tooth comb and find any way possible not to pay you your claim. So the pain when you submit an insurance claim to your car or your homeowners, this doesn't, it's not even it's close. worse. Yeah, far, far worse. <laughs> Well, thanks, uh, everybody, for listening in. Don't forget, we have our weekly cybersecurity tips, and they're easy to sign up for. It's uh, They show up every Wednesday morning. We don't sell your list. Uh, Maria may emails these out, and they uh, really are just small nuggets of uh, information you can use to help protect yourself and protect your company. And the web address is weeklycybersecuritytips.com. You can sign up there. Again, it's weeklycybersecuritytips.com. Thank you, everybody. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the Team Lotus Cares podcast. This is a free service of Lotus Management Services, business clarity empowered by technology. Visit us on the web at lotusbusinesstech.com.